Let's visit the 90s all over again. Put on those hammer pants. This is Dope Nostalgia. It's time to welcome you to episode 134 of Dope Nostalgia. I'm your host, Naomi. Hey, you guys remember uh, the other podcast that I do is called L2L Podcast, which means learning to listen. And I do, I've do i been doing that one for years. That was my first step into podcasting with uh, my good friends, Charlie and Quinn. Um, they're from the band Give Em Hell Boys. You can find their music everywhere. You stream good songs. Give Em Hell Boys. Check it out. In the meanwhile... We are going to talk about a band that is a very cool Australian export called Silverchair. Now, we just spoke about Hanson, which was not too long ago. And it's kind of funny because these guys were also super young when they got their start. But they were a little bit heavier, a little bit darker. Here's some information right now on Silverchair. Wikipedia Moments. Silverchair were an Australian rock band which formed in 1992 as Innocent Criminals in Newcastle, New South Wales with Ben Gillis on drums, Daniel Johns on vocals and guitars, and Chris, I don't know how to say his name, Joanu on bass guitar. The group got their big break in mid-94 when they won a national demo competition conducted by SBS TV show Nomad and ABC radio station Triple J. The band was signed by Murmur and were successful in Australia and internationally. Silverchair have sold over 10 million albums worldwide. Silverchair have won more ARIA Music Awards than any other artist in history, earning 21 wins from 49 nominations. That would be the Australian Recording Industry Awards, if you didn't know. They also received six APRA Awards, with John's winning three songwriting awards in 2008. All five of their studio albums debuted at number one on the area albums chart, those albums being Frog Stomp in 95, Freak Show in 97, Neon Ballroom in 1999, Diorama in 2002, and Young Modern in 2007. Three singles reached the number one slot on the related area singles chart, Tomorrow, Freak, and Straight Lines. Silverchair's alternative rock sound evolved throughout their career, with differing styles on specific albums growing more ambitious over the years, from grunge on their debut to more recent work displaying orchestral and art rock influences. The songwriting and singing of John's had evolved steadily while the band had developed an increased element of complexity. In 2003, following the release of Diorama, the band announced a hiatus, during which time members recorded with side projects The Disassociatives, The Mess Hall, and Tambalade. Silverchair reunited at the 2005 Wave Aid concerts. In 2007, they released their fifth album, Young Modern, and played the Across the Great Divide tour with contemporaries Powder Finger. In May 2011, Silverchair officially announced an indefinite hiatus. All right, welcome good friends Charlie and Quinn from L2L Podcast and the Give Em Hell Boys as we talk about Silverchair. You know what I hate? Washing dishes by hand for some reason. <laughs> you know they've got robots that do that for you. Yeah, I need one of those. But for some reason, like it, I can use a clean cloth, fresh soap and hot water and all of that, and my glasses still smell. Like, what am I doing wrong? Maybe not rinsing them enough. Maybe. Are you rinsing thought, them? Period. Oh, I'm rinsing them. <laughs> 
know, I'm trying to get a little more soap in my life inside. I mean, do you rinse with cold or hot water? Hot. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Get I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I would love to get a dishwasher. Get a I don't even have another dishwasher. Or maybe you just need a good, like, maybe they just built up a funk that you just can't get rid of with regular dish soap. You're going to need to get So them throw them out? Soap. Mm, no, forever. maybe give them a soak in bleach or something, you know, but make sure you really rinse them then. Don't, you know, mm. don't, don't accidentally drink bleach. That, that would suck. Tips for people. <laughs> hot tips, hot tips. I hot mean, tips. Have, you, have you ever like just, a, you know, you're thirsty and you grab a, a water bottle or something that you're, you, know, you stop to forget. You're like, oh, yeah, that's what I poured something out into because I didn't have another receptacle. I don't know. I hate how water tastes when it's been in your water bottle for more than a day. Well, you know? That's bad for you anyway because it's yeah. full of those uh, phthalates. What, then, tell me more. What's a yeah, phthalate? A phthalate. It's it's little particles that make up plastic, um, and uh, apparently they're uh, they're building up in our blood. Good because we heat things in plastic, we drink things from plastic. If your bottles, especially cheap plastic like the kind that water bottles are made out of, you ever get the like you ever get like a Nalgene bottle and it'll say like BPA free. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's what you want but even then they still oh, have microphthalates in them and uh <clears throat> it's lying they're just false well, advertising i i don't know if the, what the 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 difference is there but but nonetheless and then they're doing a lot of studies these days that uh yeah these microphthalates are really uh screwing up people's like hormones you know like it's uh you know just your general whatever body chemistry it's 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 messing with in general it's okay so, the, menop- the menopause will get me soon so hormones are already fucked fucked i don't know that's the thing right you can, <laughs> you can go to a doctor these days and be like hey i uh, feel those uh perimena- like menopausal symptoms coming in you want to give me some tea and they go sure and you know you get a subscription or subscription, a subscription. i'd love a subscription subscribe, well, subscribe to my testosterone 12 months of tea please yeah and then you, you subscribe know, for a full year you get a discount it won't it won't mitigate uh, menopause totally but it'll help you balance out your hormones mm. yeah I'm, I'm i don't know the doctor told me it's still too soon but 43 i think it's okay it's it's getting close to the perimenopause yeah no you could have definitely have like there's it's, i've i've heard of people being perimenopausal in their 30s so yeah definitely possible i mean it's probably less likely but it's not beyond the realm of possibility oh it's possible if it's happened to somebody it could happen things are it things are a changing <laughs> we're going through the second the second change i just thank you it's like i just hit puberty <laughs> so, okay so i was telling Char, uh, quinn uh, the, charlie that this is my last zoom recording before i leave for my trip speaking of puberty and menopause so yeah. This, I'm going to see a group that I started loving at puberty and now I'm at menopause. So, hey, well, still, hey and to tie it really into what made we're, the tour with me. Yeah, hmm? right on. And to tie it into what we're talking about today, this is a band that when they broke, they were going through puberty. <laughs> exactly. It's a real long-term <laughs> like, relationship. Yeah. It really so, is. It's all, it's, all, it's all full cycle. Yeah, so everybody, welcome. All you have Quinn. your cycle. <laughs> My, oh, this is why I love you guys. Quinn and Charlie are here from hey, L2L Podcast. Hey, guys. Yeah, L2L Podcast. And you guys are also um, in a band that is putting out new music right now. The Give them hell, boys. I don't think we've talked about you guys on the podcast yet as a band. So Interesting. I want, to, okay. I want to share it with the people what you're all about. Tell, yeah. tell, tell us more um, <laughs> about the new music. Yeah, we play in a band. 
um we uh are putting some music out we're trying to anyway we're we're releasing an ep just digitally right away um i don't even have the masters yet and it's supposed to be out next week but hey you know throw caution to the wind and see what happens right Take a chance. Fuck it. And uh, and uh, that's a, uh, an EP of covers, uh, mostly slow ballad country songs that we uh, do our spin on. And we're calling it the Buckle Polishers EP. And we're throwing one banger in there just for good measure. Um, you know, just so we don't totally ruin our reputation. You've got to have balance. As yeah, as as some country punk rockers. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, that's just to, you know, hopefully buy us a little time while we uh, finish up our full length LP. And, you know, just keep us relevant, keep us out there, keep things happening in the, I don't know, zeitgeist, for lack of a better term. And then we'll continue working on our full length that uh, if everything goes as planned, which it won't, because nothing ever does, does. uh, we should be completed and hopefully out there sometime by the end of this year. So, yeah, just big stuff. Mm -hmm. Big stuff. And and this will be relevant, but you guys are having your uh, your big show this weekend. Really well, I don't know if we're outshining the Oilers run for the playoffs right now. I feel like <laughs> well, there couldn't be a game on the day of your show, could there? There could be. Yeah, there could be. They could start the next series that quickly. It depends on how the uh, other two series in this conference go. And exactly. if they wrap up within a game or two, then it really just depends. Yeah, but they'll start. They either start on Tuesday or Wednesday next week, depending. I By think. the time this airs. By the time this airs, the playoffs are long over. So, <laughs> so good job, sports team! Yay! Oh, Congratulations to the winners, even if they or you blew it. Weren't us, but if they were us, then we told you all uh, that you yeah. suck. Eat, eat our it. farts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, well, we it all. you guys have been on the show with me a few times already, but this time we're going over uh, a band that uh, was like Quinn said. Pu- puberty in and uh they started making music they're kind of on the cusp of the end of grunge silver chair kind of on the cusp of grunge i don't know if it was really considered part of the grunge era though because of the timing well it post grunge i don't think you would i don't think you uh personally i consider post grunge to start in like 96 97 with bands like nickelback yeah, and yeah. Creed and stuff like that. Their heyday, plus the rise of new metal, um, you know that sort of thing. So, I would say Silverchair, even though they are at the tail end, and they're definitely like they're the younger generation. You know, they were literally kids when most of the the grunge rockers were in their twenties and thirties already. But um, yeah, they. Uh, I would I would say that they they deserve a place at the table of you know the canon that is is grunge rock or uh, al- at least alternative rock in the nineties. Footnote but. footnote they deserve a place at the table, but it's a smaller table. It's the kids' table. Yeah, they, exactly. <laughs> They're at the kids' table. <laughs> Speaking sure. of kids, how's your boy doing right now? Uh, he's doing okay. He's trying to get into a jar of Vicks Vapor Rub, but uh, oh, he sounds like he's doing great. Yeah. Oh, right. actually, he got into it. He's, hey. Okay. Well, like, we're gonna let you go and take care. Of He's doing all right. See, look at that. He's an achiever. This is why I'm scared of having children. Ah. Turn your head for one minute. What are they doing? Oh, I'm you just, just eating vapor rub. You're just supposed to put that stuff on a higher shelf or make sure it's not poisonous. I don't think vapor rubs, po- but it could be if you had enough of it. I suppose. Well, I guess if you're grabbing a big handful, your the fumes are gonna make you gag more than anything if you have that much. I don't think the child would be able to handle all of that because it would just be too overpowering. 
He's been reattracted by a bottle of leaving conditioner. So <laughs> sounds like that's more delicious. Yeah. Jeez. Oh yeah. So, and plus like from being based out of Australia, I think they were one of the few bands that were doing that type of music um, in a big way too. I mean, that we know of from there. That we know of, anyways. that we know of, that struck big over yeah. here. Basically they were, um, they won a national demo competition on a TV show over there and that's how they got signed. Was it like Star Search? Uh, yeah, the name of the show is called Nomad. And then there was a radio station. I think uh, the radio station and TV station got together to do this uh, contest. Um, you never hear that much about people making it huge off of those contests. From what I've seen, like, yeah, American Idols put out some big stars, but most of the time, nothing really comes of it for people who win them. Well, it, back in the day when there was Star Search, um, like with Ed McMahon hosting, it, it wouldn't break anybody out, but it would often be like a footnote in somebody's like rise, like somebody who eventually, you know, you always find out about like, hey, remember that time Beyonce was on or Justin Timberlake went, went on and was like singing like a country song, like a little kid country song or something like that. <laughs> like, like a lot of Disney stars for whatever reason, you know, it showed up on star search mm -hmm. so obviously you know they're the kind of kids whose parents are driving them to auditions and making them do stuff like that yeah. but also back then that was a bit more of a time where there was less of those things and nowadays the market is just super saturated so very true now it's actually to the point where it's annoying like yeah. i don't even watch any of those shows anymore because it's always just the same thing and it doesn't really relate to the person's level of talent i think yeah. they kind of have it pre-chosen who they're going to focus on from the beginning yeah well tv the thing that's the yeah. giveaway too is there's always in the early stages when they have like the auditions especially uh, you know like american idol they always you can always tell that there's people they focus on that are like okay that person is probably going to make it into the later rounds but then there's always somebody that they or one or two that they're like oh this person does not deserve to be there at all but they're just like a character the underdog you know? Yeah, they're like, what's the what was the Asian guy who who sings like she bangs or whatever? William oh. Hung. William. Yeah, like there's the William Hungs where you're like, oh, this is just a sideshow. This is just to keep people like tuning in. You know, you know that they're cutting him. Mm. Okay, so these guys formed in the they were in the same school together, basically. I'm reading through the wiki. You're asking us <laughs> you read through the wiki. <laughs> well, as you go. I, I'm, I mean, that was my preparation was basically kind of just looking through the wiki. Was that how you do all your research? Sometimes. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Depends on the band or artist. Um, well, what did you guys have there? For, well, okay. Uh, well, all I know about the band is because I really paid attention to them for this album. And then I didn't pay attention to them at all afterwards. So the debut album, oh, Frog, Frog Stomp. Stomp, excuse me. I'm I'm saying this album because that's the album I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's Frog Stomp. Album. That's my album. I was really impressed with it. I was really blown away by it. And uh, then I was, yeah, not so much on board with what they came up with afterwards. I know my tastes were just moving on partially, but also I think it just paled in comparison to Frog Stomp. But um, I can tell you that my... Uh, uh, experience with Frog Stomp. Sure. Is that I, I had heard all the stuff about them being, you know, super young. Like, I don't know exactly how old they were. They were pretty young, though. Um, well, since they were teenagers, so I'm assuming they were uh, at least 13. 
Well, I know they were, were like 15, 16. I think they were 15 when at least they were doing the contest and stuff. And I had heard that. And at the time I was about probably uh, 95. I was not, not in high school. Yeah. I was still in junior high. They were grunge uh, Hanson. Yeah. Yeah. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. I, uh, I remember, I'm pretty sure I'd, I'd heard tomorrow. I think I'd seen the video on much music. Uh, I remember my brother had like, like birthday money or I don't know, like allowance money or something. And anytime that he had money and he wanted to go like buy a CD, I'd always like talk him into buying whatever CD I wanted to listen to. Right. Mm. <laughs> and that worked out pretty good. I remember I got him to buy Soundgarden. Uh, nice. I got him to buy Frog Stomp. I mean, and, it means uh, your brother had a pretty cool CD collection then. Decent, you know, um, yeah he, i mean he was also a little younger than me so he was just as likely to be like no i'm gonna buy the lion king soundtrack <laughs> you know, which so i mean you were very influential in his choices which i tried i tried well. I, I tried to <laughs> nudge him and you know be like hey you should get this one because it's cool and he'd be like okay you know i don't know if he'd ever heard it right mm-hmm. um and then i have a clear memory of the first time i actually listened to the cd was in junior high i was in mr leopard's class it could have been eight or nine i had him for both years so that's why was I can't his first name deaf it was not and he oh, I, man he was kind of a he, he was a jerk i hated him as a teacher but the one cool thing that he would let us do is that he we had a like we had a study period or whatever with him um he was kind of like our homeroom teacher and he taught a few different like uh you know different subjects and one of them i had with him was uh was like just a, like a study period or whatever and he would let us listen to music He'd like let us if we had a Walkman or CD player or whatever, he would let us, right? He's as long as he kept the volume like quiet. And he would even sometimes actually just play the stereo in the, the classroom. That was one thing that was cool about him. So I would always bring, you know, like one of my CDs uh, to listen to in study class. And yeah, the first time I listened to this album front to back, maybe not even front to back. I don't know how, I can't remember how long study the class was. And this thing is 44 minutes. So maybe I just got it in. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah yeah and yeah that i remember just being like blown away like i remember being like oh these guys are almost like my age like I'm, they're pretty close you know and i'm thinking that was so cool just the cool yeah. thing ever mm-hmm. and so i was just really into it i just remember pouring over this thing and just just i don't know i th- there to me it sounded like for their age they sounded so sophisticated because like they they sounded legitimately like the other bands i was listening to like like a sound garden or a nirvana like they were pulling it off yeah, you know? absolutely. They were. I, I was like, oh, this doesn't sound like little kids trying this. It doesn't even sound like a teenage oh. garage band. It doesn't sound like me and my friends when we're learning to play guitar at the same time. I'm like, we could, we can't, we can't riff like this. Like we, like, you know, we, if, like, if the, I hadn't our, seen what they looked like and actually knew how old they were, there's no way I would know. Even Daniel John's voice was like mature enough to pull off. They could say he's 20 or so. Well, that's the thing with them too, right? Like once you got into them, unless you heard about them first, like from the buzz, the mm-hmm. fact that you'd they'd be like, "Yeah, you like that new band Silverchair? They're great." Hey, you know they're only fifteen, and you're like, "What? Holy shit! Yeah. That's that's insane!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember hiding in my binder that I was pouring over instead of actually doing like studying. I was pouring over the the um, 
the jacket, you know, the, mm. the liner, the, the notes that came with it. And it's that green frog on the cover in just like several different colors. <laughs> like ever, this is back in the day, man. Do you remember when you used to get that like stuffed into a CD, it, like your case, you'd pull it out and it would just have complete like nonsense, you know, just artwork and lyrics and notes and, and that, all that stuff. It was a, it was a ton of stuff to you like. You mean the album unfold. art itself or what you put in it? No, that what was the album art itself? It was, oh, it was like, like I was you would you would never see that. You wrote it in there. <laughs> no, 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 you would never see that these days. Where you know, like maybe sometimes if you're buying like LPs and stuff like that, but like not, just a few years after this, if I bought a CD, I didn't expect anything except for maybe just liner notes and like the lyrics to come with it. Mm. Especially in the 2000s when everybody went to those digi packs, just mm. like the cardboard and shit, right? But this yeah. is in an era still where yeah, if they expected you to open that up and dig through it, and there's just pages that are just that album artwork again, except the frogs a different color. Like yeah. it's a blue frog and an orange frog and a green you know i don't know if you could like fold it over and put it back in and be like i like purple so i'm gonna have the purple frog on the cover but i remember <laughs> like hiding that in my binder and like looking at that like a mood ring yeah, which, exactly. which cover am i having today today, today i'm feeling blue frog mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the yeah. other thing that hit me about this too was what i kind of perceived not listening to it again now i'm like i i, I realize i'm like okay these these lyrics aren't as deep as I gave them the credit when I was younger, mm. but for the like subject matter, the material, you know, like it's some, um, you know, like not sophisticated, but like approaching some heady subjects, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything from suicide to genocide, a lot of the sides, you know, mm -hmm. poverty, it's not just your regular, like you would think a 15 year old, like it would just be like, I hate my parents because, you know, they didn't let my friends come over because I was grounded because I got an F at school or whatever. Like, yeah. what, what, and uh, I remember somebody uh, like in an interview, people uh, asking like Daniel about like his lyrics and where he comes up with the subject matter. And he's like, oi, oi, mate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just watch a lot of documentaries on the telly and then I write about the documentaries I watch and I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, you know. That's all you gotta do. Yeah. Was he okay? Like, who? Daniel. It's cool. good. Oh, Daniel? I don't I don't know what he's up to these days. I don't know. No, I don't mean now, but I mean like at the time because I was just thinking like I know he went through a lot of personal health and turmoil stuff. I mean, he went through anorexia later. That was in going into the second or third album there. He uh he, he, yeah, he got his anxiety caused him to uh, become anorexic. So the song Anna's song, which is three albums or two albums later, I believe, um, Neon Ballroom, Anna's song is a beautiful track, but it's about his relationship with anorexia. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that's the album that lost me was I was on board. So opposite of Quinn, I guess, Freak Show was my album. That's the one that, like, I'd heard of them before and I'd heard Frog Stomp, sort of, but I didn't, mm -hmm. I never really rushed out or managed to get my hands on it. But then, for some reason, when Freak Show came out, just, I mean, just the imagery just yeah. grabbed me and I was like, yeah, I'm having this. And then it did, a, it did a long stint of living in my Discman or whatever CD player I had at the time. Mm -hmm. And even still, I, I mean, like, I'm not, you know, Frog Stomp is an amazing album but i also think i mean freak show just like resonates better with me for some reason i even just went back and listened to them both this morning and uh even still like i still frog stomp there's a good a lot of good stuff in there where i'm like yeah this is great yeah this is great 
mm-hmm. but I think more songs per per capita or whatever on Freak Show. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. I love this. So, and the thing is, yeah. it sounds both of the both albums like the the production on both albums sounds amazing. It sounds huge for a, a three piece, right? Oh, that's one of my Good favorite things about them too is that they did manage to pull off such a massive sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and even live, they seem to be able to re- recreate it like fairly faithfully. I never saw them live live, but I saw live footage of them play. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember them like, you know, playing on much music and stuff back in the day. And that's what always struck me. I was like, man, for three guys, they really fill that like that the space, you know. Yeah. for musicians and seeing them play live like on tv do you find that they're good at what they do at, at that young age were they good players uh for their age they were i don't totally. think they they'd uh you know outshine like some of the you know the le- legends out there mm-hmm. but me and my friends were were playing in the garage and stuff at the same time and mm-hmm. we were we were nowhere near that level you know like these guys were tight and polished. They had riffs for days, you know, like, and the drumming, the drumming is more than competent. The guitar parts, like you could get there, you could practice. And it's mostly a lot of like kind of drop D style cording and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, there's some, there's solos and they're pretty good, but like, they're nothing, they're nothing that's like unachievable with just some practice. Mm. Uh, I think the musicianship comes with uh, like, just uh how well they like in the songwriting composition you know like it's 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 really like i don't know i already used the word sophisticated so i shouldn't use it again but especially for the age that they were doing this at it's sophisticated for their age yeah you could tell you could tell they were readers because they straight up lifted the uh their name the uh, silver chair from the chronicles of narnia so you yeah. know like sophisticated for their age, which means like they would read books and things, but the books would be watch documentaries of Narnia. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like write a song about this documentary that I just watched. Um, okay. Apparently though, I heard that it was a combination of things though, because Nirvana, Nirvana had, uh, had put out uh, a sliver mm. and they mixed up the word sliver and silver or something. And then I don't know. There was a weird convoluted story about something, other title with a chair in it. And I was like, I didn't quite understand that explanation. Like, what do you mean you mixed up these two things? Yeah. But okay. But I just want to say one more thing about Frog Stomp. 
before we completely move away from it because Mm -hmm. now that we've brought up nirvana and and you know naming nirvana a lot early on and i get it because it's part of what got my attention because this is in the era of like this is you know post like kurt cobain suicide and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because i'll bet you this is probably in a period of like you know mtv unplugged Mm -hmm. and whatever nirvana is still just then that name is just everywhere right you can't escape nirvana they're it's probably they're in a, in a weird way they're probably bigger at that point than they were pre you know kurt yeah. suicide um so a lot of the publicity was about how oh yeah silverchair's biggest influence is nirvana 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 i know you couldn't escape it at the time right if you were a band playing alternative rock at the time you got compared That's to it. nirvana and these guys leaned into it for sure you know i'm sure some somebody at epic was like yeah just lean into it like yeah people yeah you're the new nirvana you're the you're you're nirvana junior whatever like but <laughs> yeah. when i was listening more recently and now that i have a bigger breadth of like references for my musical you know um i don't know uh library whatever you know the uh I was hearing a lot more references. Like I was, I was hearing stuff in this that I'm like, oh, well that's thrash. That sounds like DRI or, you know, like a song like Mad Men, the uh, instrumental. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's metal. Totally. That's totally, that's totally eighties thrash, you know? I mean, or it's probably a little more on the punk side, even, you know, than it would be on like a Metallica side. Right. Just like, let those, like, let a few open chords ring a little longer and stuff like that. Um, yeah, those also, bands were all listed as, as influences, but so was Black Sabbath. So. Well, I can hear a little bit of the Black Sabbath because there's even a little bit of stoner rock, you know, that would have been the thing that was happening at the time that they would have heard, you know, like these bands like Caius and uh, Sleep, they were all already around at this point. And I think a lot of the riff rock that you hear from these guys is that sort of thing, right? So, um, yeah, yeah, um, I, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised is what I should say. <laughs> Is if uh, you uh, if you really like went and dug into the record collections at the time and you were like you found that they were a little bit deeper than just Nirvana. Like I'm sure Nirvana was something they listened to as well, as well as what other the other grunge bands out there at the time. But uh, I, I have a feeling these guys were probably had a they probably had a pretty cool record collection, you know. Yeah. A little harder to recognize back then because I just wasn't as aware of a lot of those types mm-hmm. of bands. But now I am, so now I hear it. <laughs> Bo. Both oh, can't hear us. <laughs> it's getting wild. Oh, my stupid head in a set. For, my head was just like almost called him Eddie. <laughs> like, oh, that's not Eddie. Try. That's Bo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how about this? How about try try having both of them in the house and anytime you want to refer to either one, I'm going like, wait, which one are you? <laughs> so I mean, I'm they both have the same hair. <laughs> kind of. But anyway, that was uh that's that's pretty much my my piece about uh frog stomp is that it's an album that really holds up like you know not everything i listen to at, in that era holds up it, you know, there's a lot of stuff that i revisit and i'm like ooh, okay i was i was young i didn't know any better well and that's I what know. i mean about the production too right like you can listen to it today and it still just sounds like crisp and clean and like mm. you know huge mm-hmm. yeah and it's interesting because my interest waned over the next album and then by the third album i think i was i was completely out but my taste oh. had completely changed. Frog Stomp uh, did pull off something um, big for them in states wise because they reached the Billboard 200 top 10 and they were the first band from Australia to do so since In Excess. Oh, wow. So that was pretty uh, impressive, especially for a debut album. 
from a bunch of teenagers. Well, and it's harder to break into a market from overseas too, right? Of course. So yeah, unless you're doing the touring. Yeah. So I don't know if they had been yet, but then well, we started to hear a lot more about them. So they probably did come over and tour. Well, I know that they were young enough that when they toured, they they had they had to have guardians. <laughs> They talked about it in their interviews and stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah, me mom. Or, I don't know if they say <laughs> me mom. I'm trying to do. That's not really, that's not really an Australian. Oh, like combining the two. I'm just <laughs> getting kind of me. all the all the all the Commonwealth accents just all mixed into one. It's from over there. After these messages, we'll be right back. Dope Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff, and more. There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So please join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. Love music? Who Who doesn't? doesn't? Who and what were the albums and artists that really turned you on to music? The ones that made you really stop and listen. The ones that shaped your tastes and opened your horizons. That's what we want to talk about. Dig deep into your vinyl, CDs, or even stream away. Let's listen and learn all about what made you fall in love with music in the first place. This is Learning to Listen. So good. Okay, interesting take. Uh, could you read it like a human being? Or, uh... That's exactly the way a human would read that. Take two. The ones that, uh, I don't know, shaped your tastes and opened your horizons, you know? That's 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 what we want to talk about, you know? You know? Dig, <laughs> dig deep into your vinyl, CDs, or even stream away. Join Quinn, Charlie, and myself, Naomi, for a brand new album every single week on L2L, Learning to Listen. Found everywhere great podcasts are served. She was coming home to the jungle and to their wild, untamed love for butter. Cut down by cholesterol until... Darling, look what I've brought back. I can't believe it's not butter. It's the premier spread flavored with real sweet cream buttermilk for a fresh butter taste but without the cholesterol. How civilized. I can't believe it's not butter. The taste you love without the cholesterol. I feel like though they're still the, the follow-up albums were still quite successful. I mean, Freak Show did very well for a sophomore album, and the mo- most of the uh, topical matter on it was written about all the trouble and problems that came with the success of the first album. Yeah, that's how it goes, isn't it? Can be, for sure. Sophomore is the scary one, right? If that one doesn't do anything, you're toast. Well, that's the uh, sophomore slump as they refer to it yeah mm-hmm. also the thing is too and then you you've proven yourself in your first record and then the a and r departments and labels you know just kind of they lose a little bit of interest in you because they're like okay good you're set up for success we're moving on to you know putting our resources mm-hmm. into the next thing but then and they the just problem- want to keep you making money 
and if you yeah. start making money by <laughs> well now the now the point the first the first album was like you know there's a lot of interest a lot of support like a lot of let's make this thing you know because once once you can sell so many tickets and you've sold that many albums to the you know and, and, and as long as the reviews and stuff are good then you can kind of rest on your laurels right now they can just put you on the road like just get that out every two-year album cycle out keep you on the road and then they'll just rake in their money that way and then of course though the thing that happens is that then um the public at large interest wanes in you because you know there's not as much effort to sell you to that public um and uh, then your sales go down and then next thing you know like yeah you get dropped by your label because you know they're on to the next new thing right they're on to the next whatever they're on to creed and, and nickelback <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but when you say the public at large that's precisely it because i mean every band will have that amount of success that they have they'll still have a core group of fans that'll buy whatever they put out right sure. so mm -hmm. that'll follow you no matter what but that doesn't necessarily pay the bills well, no, yeah, that's just it, right? Is you can kind of plateau, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, as like as the amount of tickets you can sell goes up, also the amount of production that you need to um, provide goes up too. The bigger your team is, and then you get to a point where it's like, okay, so the expenses of just going on the road and and touring, you know, all go up. But then mm -hmm. when your ticket sales kind of even out, it's like, you know, yeah, you start breaking even or worse, you're, you, you're in the red. And then because all this money has been fronted by a label or something, next thing you know, you're like, you owe money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the story that's old this time, right? And then they go, well, hey, don't worry about it because, you know, you, you're doing okay. You're still hitting the top 40, whatever it is. You're still on all these charts. So we'll get in the studio we'll start working on that next album and then, you know, we'll advance you all that money again. And then you're like, okay. <laughs> so then you go back to like living life, like, Oh, well, I've got all this money in my pocket, not realizing that that advance isn't like, you know, something that you just get to like, live on for free forever. It's, it's kind of like a loan in a way, right. They're going to take mm -hmm. it out of your album sales and your tickets and your merchandise. And then when that merchandise and tickets and, you know, whatever doesn't sell, then they go, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> If there's one thing I've learned your money back. If there's one thing I've learned doing this podcast and talking to people who have been signed, dropped from labels, gone through all that mess, it's just how evil a record company can be. And like basically, yeah, they'll take you out and wine and dine you and buy you like surf and turf and do all these fancy, fancy things, and then you get the bill. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's not the bill, it's called recruitment. <laughs> it's a word that they don't usually use when when they're having these conversations with you early on trying to get you to sign contracts they'll show you a good time on those private jets and all that when yeah in the end you're paying for it basically basically what that is is they're betting that that you're going to make them money so they're willing to put a little money up front like you know is an investment mm -hmm. but then they want they want return on their money and they want if it you, back and then some yeah, and if you're making money for them, then you may be none the wiser. But then if you stop making money for them, then all of a sudden, yeah, that's just it. That that lobster dinner <laughs> shows up on a bill somewhere along with all the studio equipment, you know, mm -hmm. all the engineer costs, travel costs, gas the for the fucking bus, the bus, you know. There's artists that are still paying that. Yeah, oh, for sure. And it's been years. They well, and then... 
then you wonder why so many artists and then also these aren't these are artists these aren't people who necessarily are business minded in the first place you wonder why so many get in trouble with their taxes and things like that it's because they're getting taxed on income but they're like it's almost like they're getting double taxed right because they're on the hook for like all this recruitment on top of they're going to get taxed on you know any of the the net gain they made and yeah anyway it's <laughs> it's brutal but, yeah it's brutal overall mm-hmm. uh yeah, uh, diving into like personal matters there. Uh, Natalie and Brulia got uh, got mixed up there with Daniel Johns in 1999, and they started dating on and off and on and off, and then they got married. Oh, did you guys know about their relationship? I had no idea. No idea. I don't really know anything about them, like their I'm, private lives. I guess I'm here for the gossip. That's right, yeah. the hot goss. Bring um, in the okay. hot gossip. Natalie and Brulia wasn't her big hit. Torn. Yeah. Lying hey, naked on the floor. Here's the only thing I know about that. It's a little trivia I have that that nobody knows that that's a cover. What's it a cover of? It's a cover of the song "Torn." <laughs> Who originally does it? Um, I don't know. I think they might have been an Australian band too, but don't quote me on that. I'll find out. Edna Swap. Edna Swap. Yeah, terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> Swap and Edna's. That's uh, what the hell is Edna Swap? And here's the thing too: is is their version of the song? When you hear it, it's definitely it's a. It came out in 1995. Their the original version. I don't know when right. hers came out. Right, like a few years later. Mm. And um, much later, it sounds like a 19 like a song from 1995. Like it's fully on in that like alternative rock kind of radio. Like it sounds like it could have mm-hmm. gotten played right after Alanis Morissette or something. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not as Loeb. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's got it's got some Lisa Loeb vibe to it for sure. It it's like Natalie and Burgula's version is pretty good, but it's it's the more polished, the more like you know, it's given a little bit more of that slick studio. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were married. When did hers come out? When did the second the second the more famous cover come out? Because it probably just sounds like that time. Dorn came out in November nineteen ninety seven. So that's a couple of years later, anyways. A couple of years mm-hmm. later. Yeah, that's well, at least that's when it charted in the UK. Mm. That's when all that kind of thing started happening. I talked my brother into buying Frog Stomp. I'm pretty sure he bought brought he bought Freak Show on his own. He was already mm-hmm. jazzed on Frog Stomp. Well, he stayed he stayed a fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I listened to it back in the day, but like I said, it just for whatever reason I was moving on. I don't know. I don't remember it being bad. I don't remember being like, oh, this sucks. I was just like, just not as interested by far. I mean, if you listen to the two back to back, 
Mm-hmm. Frog Stomp is definitely a bit heavier. You know, Freak Show kind of lightens up a little bit. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Is I wanted a little more of that. I wanted more thrashy. Oh, it's a little riffy, less edge. Edgy. Stoner, rocky guitars. Yeah. Um, man, yeah. I was. I think I was losing that a little bit. I remember this one being a little more ballady. If I, I am trying to Some, think. In places, sometimes. Like, what was the single off of? Uh, uh, there was Freak. Freak. Was it Freak? Uh, Abuse me. Was Abuse me a single? Yeah, Abuse me. Cemetery. I can, I have a real vague memory. Of, I kind of remember a video. Like a video that they're like in a tower, like that's like circus themed or something. Or am I wrong? I don't remember that. There was I'm like about, a thing rotating. Their videos. Um, yeah, I never yeah. paid attention to their videos. That's another whole thing. Like uh, that would have been something I should have done before this podcast. Maybe watch some of their videos. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. And then by the time Neon Ballroom came out, um which was there. I do remember the song Anthem for the year 2000. But yeah. only because a friend of mine, a guy I was playing in a band with at the time, pointed out to me, he was like, hey, have you noticed that the bass line for year 2000 and for everybody Backstreet's Back is nearly identical? No way. There must be and their songs that came out, what, within like, you know a few months of each other mm-hmm. something like that they came out roughly around the same time same year there better be a mashup online i looked and i can't find one i was really? going to pre- i was like for sure somebody's done it and i wish i had the i See, knew how to do that the make. talent to make a mashup <laughs> but here i'll do a little acapella mashup for you ready okay so baseline for everybody backstreet's back right Na, 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 na. Everybody, yeah, rock your body, yeah, yeah. right? Okay, the na, 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 na. okay, we'll make it up to you in the year 2000. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 very, very, very similar. And that's the only uh, that's my only experience with uh, Neon Ballroom. <laughs> yeah, but that I mean, for same thing for me. Like, I was a big fan of Freak Show, and then when Neon Ballroom came out, I was just like gone. You know, just like I did. It didn't even really hit my radar except for that one song. I think I probably listened to the album one time, and I was like, "Yeah, it's over." <laughs> yeah, my 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 mind's elsewhere. Yeah, with Neon Ballroom. Yeah. Oh, I liked um, Anna's song a lot. I did. Um, and and the year two thousand one, I found that was a real ear, earworm. Yeah, uh, I get yeah, that. It sounded real familiar, yeah. huh? <laughs> That's might be why you're yeah. like, hey, why do I like this so much? I can't <laughs> it reminds me of something else. Uh, I'd have to hear them again. I, I, they might not be. It might be like there might be an extra note or something, you know, in the. But the mm-hmm. melodies work and the bass lines are very similar. I don't even know if they're in the same key. To tell the truth. Just a friend of mine pointed that out. So I don't know which one came out first, though. Did Backstreet's uh, Back? Backstreet's Back came out first. Because this was 1999, and uh, that's when Backstreet's third album was coming out, Millennium. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, um, well, so then tell me about this album, because uh, I'm looking at the um, I'm looking at the track listing, and I don't know these songs, like, without having, without, like, you know, I'd have to hear them. But I'm noticing a theme in the titles that this seems to be a little more i mean there's a somber tone for all these albums mm. this one seems like just by going like miss you love 
uh, do you feel the same dearest helpless this one seems a little more resonant like maybe a little more uh like lamentful mm. you know i mean i feel like i more think personal that, uh, maybe a lot of this one was written while they were like obviously obviously was written while they were out on the road so it's a lot of that kind of thing like how old are they at this point have they made are they even in their 20s yet uh no this, yay, is, this is two years later close. isn't it not two years from frog stomp frog stomp was released in 95 and this was released in 97 99 99 freak show neon ballroom no neon ballroom oh i thought you were talking about freak show no sorry no no we've moved on to neon ballroom oh i don't know shit about neon ballroom <laughs> <laughs> yeah we established that when we were like that's all that's all i know about it <laughs> and you were like yeah, I don't know anything about this. Lamenting, I think, is an accurate word because I think that they this is four years they've been through a lot in four years, and like I said earlier, Daniel Johns was going through like physical pain with his uh, anorexia and such, right? So, yeah, I don't know, and I mean, maybe they were starting to write more about relationships because they'd been through some at that point. Mm -hmm. You know. You don't really write. I don't. It makes sense that he'd write more about things he'd seen on TV as a teenager because he hasn't really had a chance to like fall in love and do any of that stuff yet, right? Yeah. So the, these songs are more personal because they're he's now actually experienced some stuff, gone through some shit, probably dealt with some, you know, the yeah, the havoc of of touring and and uh, the, the the personal strife of of you know just relationships falling apart. Plus mm -hmm. dealing with mental health and, and the effects that's having on physical health, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the song is interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know um, why I didn't get curious enough to ever sit down and listen to this. I just, I think I just mentally was somewhere else by then. Also, it's a time in your life too, at this point where like I would have been, uh, this is right around when I'm like 18 years old. And you know, it doesn't seem like it now, but back then, Stuff that I would have been into when I was like, you know, 13, 14, 15, like an 18-year-old, you're like, ugh, baby stuff. <laughs> Ew. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you want to be so mature and so beyond much it, cooler, right? Much more. Well, like you, you go through those phases when you're a kid and it just seems like a bigger period of time. Like I was listening to um, Silverchair in junior high, right? That's what, and then my brain when I'm like, you know, I'm leaving high school is like, why would I be into stuff I was into when I was in junior high? Right? <laughs> like, so I don't think I would have given this a fair shake anyway. Hmm. So, um, but uh, I was reading a little bit and uh, uh, they helped break a band that I was getting into at the time, which is interesting to me that I didn't realize Ooh. that's how I knew about them. Uh, this band from Australia called the living end. Mm. And the living end was this kind of combination of like uh, psychobilly and like, clash uh era like punk rock you know they had a lot of that uh they were a really cool band yeah they were three pieces well uh they brought a lot of elements of just like old school like in your face rock and roll but um i don't know how to describe them they're kind of like like glamabilly <laughs> okay yeah they were a cool band uh i i uh i've kind of forgotten about them but uh but I had never hadn't made the association at all that they had anything to do with them. But apparently uh, the living end was, was opening for um, uh, silver chair around this time when they were touring this album. So yeah, living end, cool band. I haven't checked. I haven't checked back in with them in a lot of long time either. So, so maybe I should. Uh, yeah. 
So was that in the 90s when that was happening or later? Oh, uh, like end of 90s, probably. I was probably discovering The Living End, like, yeah, let's say a year or two after this. Ah, well, there you yeah. go. Maybe they can be uh, on the show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they would qualify as uh, one of your 90s bands, but uh, they might. Yeah. Well, at the end of the third album, after Neon Ballroom came out, they uh, ended their contract with Sony, signed to Atlantic. Uh, put out an album called Diorama in the early 2000s. I don't know shit about that album. Never even heard of any of the songs on it. But around that time, Daniel John started developing reactive arthritis and had trouble playing guitar. Ooh. Oh, bummer. Yeah. So guy hasn't had it easy with his physical stuff. Sure. <laughs> you know? um, then, of course, an album came out later. Uh, well, what's interesting one. is that so for some reason... These guys have a bunch of like collections that have come out in the interim of their like studio albums. And it's always interesting to me when a band that only has three albums puts out a best of album. I know what's the point, but you know what? Yeah. The one that was put out by Sony was just trying to cash in. That's just and- it. That's the point is for the record companies to try to rake in some of that tour bus money. Well, and that's they, what I'm wondering. The band is- didn't support the release of it because yeah. they didn't want it to be done. Well, that's what I'm wondering if that's the case, if it was a case where they ended their contract uh, uh, with Epic, right? Or, yeah. Sony. So, so, okay, so Sony, uh, Epic must be, was a subsidiary of Sony? Yeah, but I didn't know they were, I thought they were with Murmur Records, not Epic. Well, I think maybe, maybe, maybe Murmur they were distributed in different regions. Yeah, maybe Sony owns both of these. And Makes so like sense. Murmur might've been like their UK or like Australian label. Epic would have been like North America, something like that, right? Fair enough. Um, Cause I do remember that Epic logo on Frog Stomp. Um, okay. I have a clear picture in my mind. It's like I said, like study class. All I was studying was Frog Stomp. You're studying something. <laughs> That's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. Making sure the AA batteries in my Discman didn't die. Um, but yeah, anyway, because so I was wondering because that best of looks like yeah, it came out on Sony and there, uh, yeah, there you go, and Murmur as well. I'm now looking at it, and uh, yeah, so is that them going like, all right, well, technically, you owed us another album, but we'll let you out of your contract, but we get to release like more content. Was there anything on it that wasn't on? Like, there's no. B sides apparently, were they like legitimate B sides? Not that I know of, but uh. Oh, looks nah, like it. The yeah, band, there's some covers, a minor threat cover, a black flag cover, uh, oh, acoustic definitely. versions of songs. Yeah. I mean, they were kids when they were recording all this stuff. They, I, I bet they were just hanging out in the studio like, hey, play this song. And then they just jam out a minor threat song or whatever, right? Mm. Get it recorded. Get it in the can. Makes sense. That's what all the bands seem to do. <laughs> but then again, it's like you're jamming out in the studio. That's money. No wonder if the record company paid for that jamming time. That's why they want to put it out. <laughs> 2007, the album Young Modern came out. And this was the last Silverchair song that I remember being on the airwaves was Straight Lines. And I noticed over time that their, their sound got lighter. This, this is an example of that. This song is not, I wouldn't classify it in a grunge rock uh, genre at all. Did you ever hear Straight Lines? I can't I can't remember no, it at all. No, I'm I'm like looking at this stuff now. I didn't realize that Goldfinger and Silverchair did a co-headlining tour. 
like i had no idea I, I and around this time maybe i'd been listening to goldfinger i was probably kind of moving on from goldfinger it's weird to me there's a blind spot for silver chair's career after the 90s like mm-hmm. i recognize the album cover uh, for diorama Mm-hmm. but then i have no yeah, idea but they also sort of faded into obscurity for a while and then i think even called it quits for a while right before coming back together for more stuff yeah they did their own little like um side projects and stuff before they put out young modern uh, between diorama and young modern and then if you think about it 2007 like what are the chances of like uh you know a, a gnarly grunge song hitting the airwaves in 2007 nope Right, like they just grew with it. Even if even if they wrote it and recorded it like that, that's not what that's not what the airwaves are going to. That's not what that's not what you know the radio is going to want, right? So they would have had their whoever they were working with at the time just steer the ship a little bit more into the radio friendly direction. Yeah, maybe, or maybe they legitimately moved on from that sound themselves. Yeah, they might have just evolved. Yeah, yeah, like okay, so if you've mastered you know '90s alternative rock when you were like a kid <laughs> maybe you're less interested in like you know continuously going back to that same sound into adulthood you know by the time you're in your 30s you got to be like man i'm capable of other stuff or i'm just less interested right well it's ended up to be that as of 2001 that's when they made an announcement as the three of them saying that they were officially done 2001 uh, indefinite to the, sorry 2011 okay <laughs> 2011 they put out an album in 2007 <laughs> no 2011 i'm okay. sorry that makes more they, sense. yeah they made a statement saying that they were officially kaput done indefinite hibernation it was a term used um they want to each do their own thing for the foreseeable future uh, and then there's been rumors and murmurings of possible reunion stuff but daniel johns literally said about six months ago no Nah. The band will not reunite. He likes to make new music, but he will never perform live again. He has no intentions. That's what he says. Never. A, never. Never. Is it just, just, he's just not interested in it? Well, that's like a maybe, lot of child maybe actors. His health. Yeah, maybe, maybe. His fingers hurt. I don't know. But in, in, think about it this way too. You know, he's essentially a child star. Mm-hmm. right you know like and not all child stars like you know we're mostly usually think of actors right are always completely you know satisfied with continuing that life well into adulthood you, they've kind of done that work. like any job you've done for 20 30 years you know you might be ready to retire right like you've seen yeah. it all you've been there you've done it you, you if you don't get satisfaction out of it anymore well you know time to move on and they probably made enough money they're fine maybe i don't know or I mean, at least broken even by then yeah <laughs> so, sold enough of those uh split dvds with goldfinger <laughs> i imagine though if they did so well over here they must have done extremely well in australia so you never know sometimes you know sometimes there's sometimes the not. hometown curse too where people people are like especially because uh, the population oh, of australia is so small i bet you go to australia and you bring up solar chair and you run into like a dozen people be like oh i knew those kids in school <laughs> they weren't so hot we didn't think they were so that's good. true that's true that does happen as a, like we know here with nickelback 
Yeah, or like, things don't, or hockey like, players, man. How many times have you met somebody who says they they grew up with some like NHL player and they're like, oh, they weren't that good when I was kids or whatever. You're like, oh, really? Because <laughs> one of you's in the NHL and one of you sitting here in Rosario is telling me this story. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. It can go either way. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt and just imagine that he's been there, done that. You know, he's decided mm-hmm. that like, it's not a headache he needs in his life anymore that he's gotten sure. everything out of it he could and he'd rather focus on his personal life and his per- and his health you know yeah well i mean i i'm happy with this episode i think uh, we covered a lot of stuff uh people need to give us a call if they have things to add or tell us you guys don't know shit you can call us at 780-851-8785 and uh, no one ever does so <laughs> but do it <laughs> thanks guys yeah. you gotta be no you have to we have to sell it the other way we gotta be like man and uh, i mean get your voicemails in there because this thing rings off the hook day and night and if you want to be here it's the only way you're gonna do it because <laughs> you let me tell you that mailbox it fills right up it fills up yeah you better call now i try and uh empty it as fast as i can but it might be full so just you can tell from all the, all the voicemails of yours guys as i play on the show every week so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. right on yeah well thanks guys for your time yeah, today. no problem yeah buddy i uh yeah let's yeah, sorry I'm, I'm not a silver chair aficionado That's i just okay. really liked one album it turns <laughs> out it holds up it kind of holds up i was thinking about it today and i was like yeah i think if i were to show people you know i wouldn't i would not be embarrassed of being with people who are like oh how did you come to have the taste of music you do and go through like well this album this album i'd be like i'd throw that in there be like, oh, this is one you should listen to. I'd put it in, I'd put this one beside or Frog Stomp. I'd put beside like something like Super Unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd be like, that was that had just as much impact on me as as that album did. Sure. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Are you you playing Frog Stomp for uh for the kiddo? I wasn't because he was napping the last time I listened to it, so I was I had it on in earbuds. But get his you should get his reaction on it. Get get his reaction. Mm-hmm. So yeah. far, all he likes is Billy Strings. So yeah. Billy Strings and a little bit of Ernie.
hey kids, put down that Tamagotchi and listen for a second. You know, you can follow us on Twitter at NostalgiaDope, Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.